Hello there, friends. Jared here. Uh, got a little something different for you uh, here on this episode of The Assembly Call. We're not going to talk as much basketball as we normally do. Instead, we're going to talk about the trustee election. Uh, as I'm sure you know, one of our fellow podcasters, Eric Pankowski from Hoosier Hysterics, is running uh, for the trustee position. It started out a little bit as a joke, uh, but became serious. And you know, he and I were talking several weeks ago uh, you know, he asked, you know, hey, would, you know, would there be an opportunity for me to write an email to your folks or do something, um, you know, just to tell them about the candidacy? And, you know, I thought to myself and decided, just come on here and let's just have a conversation. You know, you share kind of your platform that you're running on and why you think you'd be a good choice. You know, I have some questions for you, uh, you know, uh, that, that I think are valid questions that other people probably have uh, about your candidacy. And let's just talk about them openly. And he agreed. And so we did that. We talked Friday afternoon. Uh, I'm posting this, you know, late Friday afternoon on May 21st. It's it's a good conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, you'll learn a lot about, you know, why he's running, what his thoughts are, what he wants to do if he's trustee. And so, you know, I present that conversation for you to listen to and make up your own mind. You know, I do want to say, you know, it, I guess, you know, as the conversation approached and after we had it, you know, I, I try to take the platform that we have seriously and use it responsibly. And obviously, Eric is our friend, and he's, you know, the of all the trustee candidates, he's probably the one that you're most likely to know. And so that's why we thought this would be a good episode. You know, but I also, I want to be fair um, and not just be a platform that only one candidate can talk on. And so I know it's a little bit late in the game, uh, but if any of the other candidates for trustee, you know, want to come on, want to have a conversation here on the assembly call. You know, I can't promise that we can, you know, squeeze in an interview before it's time to vote. Voting starts on June 1st, goes through June 30th, but I'll make my best effort to do so, you know, and to try and be as equal opportunity to let you talk about your platform too. So email me, jared at assemblycall.com. Uh, like I said, I'll try to be as flexible as I can to schedule something and, and give you an opportunity to come on here and, uh, and talk too. But like I said, I think it, it makes sense for Eric to come on here uh, because I think for the most, yeah, I, I think for a, a lot of us who are, you know, focused on IU sports, who are in the IU podcasting space, Eric is the one that we know the most, that we have the most exposure to. And as we know with elections and things like this, you know, a lot of times the person that we have the most exposure to, you know, we're kind of more likely to 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 vote for that person if we like them or to just kind of stay away and not really vote at all if we're not excited about that person's candidacy, right? And so I feel like most of the people who are listening to this show will vote or not based on, you know, what they think about Eric's candidacy. And so, you know, want to give him this chance to come on here and talk. But again, to the other trustee candidates, let me know and uh, we'll do our best to, to fit you in here if we can. Uh, before we get to the conversation with Eric, uh, I do just want to offer up a quick reminder uh, with Father's Day fast approaching to go to playbookproducts.com but actually don't use the URL, playbookproducts.com. Use the URL, assemblycall.com slash PP, because that will redirect you to playbookproducts.com, but then it'll let them know that we sent you, and we'll get a 15% commission off of your purchase. So it's a great way to support the Assembly Call, and it's a great way to get an awesome gift for Father's Day, because whether your father is a college sports fan, and not just your father, maybe it's your husband or someone else, the father in your life, whether the father in your life is a college sports fan, a professional sports fan, whatever it is, there's going to be something cool there for them. They have these really neat stone coasters. Uh, they have leather coasters. They have coffee mugs. They have face masks. And they have diagrams of famous plays on those. 
So, like, for example, with Indiana, it's Keith Smart shot, Christian Watford shot, Kirk Hayson shots beat Michigan State, the final play of the 1976 National Championship game, and it goes on and on for many, many teams. So go to assemblycall.com slash PP. It'll redirect you to Playbook Products. Browse what they have. Find something awesome because there's lots of awesome stuff there. Maybe you're not even thinking about it for Father's Day. Maybe you want to get something for yourself. Uh, but I have the coasters. I use them. They're high quality. It's just a, a nice, fun, unique gift. So, heck, stockpile stuff for Christmas if you want to get ahead of your Christmas shopping. But whatever you do, use that URL, assemblycall.com slash PP. Uh, let them know that we sent you and find something cool for the sports fan in your life. All right. With all that said, here now is my conversation with Eric Pankowski about his trustee campaign. Listen and enjoy and vote. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this special edition episode of The Assembly Call, where, for once, we're not really here to talk about basketball. Well, I mean, we kind of are, indirectly. But that's not our explicit purpose here in this conversation. We're going to take a step back and talk about something that affects the university or Indiana University uh, a little bit more broadly, and that is the upcoming trustee election. And as most of the people who listen to this podcast will know, uh, there is a member of the Indiana podcast community who is running. For trustee, I think when it was first announced, there were a lot of people who maybe thought it was a joke or a bit or not that serious, but it has become crystal clear in the time since that it is serious. Uh, and we're coming up on the election soon. And so, you know, while true fairness probably would mean bringing all trustee candidates, you know, on the simply call to talk with them, I think our guest today is the one that most of our listeners are going to know. And will probably make their decision on his candidacy based on what they know of him and his thoughts and his views. And so, uh, you know, kind of thought it over, and I think it is going to be a good idea to, to bring him on. You know who I'm talking about. It's Eric Pankowski uh, from the Hoosier Hysterics. And I've got your music here. It's the old music, though. It is. <laughs> I got I to I get the new one, but welcome, Eric. It's good to have you back, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We, we made a real mistake tying our theme song to a coach. That was the mistake that we made. We did not anticipate having to change the music because we, we thought we had a coach for long term. But when you, you start rhyming with Archie and Miller, then you have to change the rhyme when, when he is no longer there. So we have, we have broadened out our theme music. Ward. That's all right. It, it exercises Ward's creativity. So that's right. It's, it it's fun. It does. So, okay, let's start just by educating everybody on what's coming up. So sure. let us know what are the dates for the trustee election and what do folks need to do to be able to vote and participate? Because I think we both agree, number one, with anything like this, participate and vote. You know, we want everybody to, to get out there and do that. So what are, what are the particulars that people need to know? Sure. So some background. The board of trustees oversees the the inner workings of the university at a very high level. They are responsible for hiring the president, including the most recent hire that came about. They are responsible for approving ex large capital expenditures when it comes to facilities or buildings. They are responsible for approving curriculum changes or the addition of a new program or the expansion into a new regional university, let's say. And they are really responsible for just being the guardians, if you will, of Indiana University and really being the protectors of the brand, uh, not just for the students that are there, clearly that is their primary mission and the faculty, but also for the alumni base, which 
you know, is over three quarters of a million people worldwide. It's one of the, the numbers change every year, but it's one of the top five alumni bases in the country. So what's happening now is the board of trustees is constituted of nine people. Six of them are appointed by the governor. Okay. And I'll just be honest. This is part of why I ran. Those are favors. That, that's how those people get appointed. Now, I'm not trying to denigrate those people. I think those people love Indiana, but they're appointed and they're appointed by the governor, which means you have to know the governor. Well, now you're, always, you're, you're already talking about such a small group of people that have that kind of privilege and access. And then there are three spots that are allowed to be elected. And they are typically three-year terms and they stagger them. So typically an election comes up every year every year for one of those people. The election happens between, and the, the only people eligible to vote are people with a degree from Indiana University. That could be a graduate degree as well, an undergrad or, or a graduate degree. And the election happens from June 1st to June 30th, the entire month. And you can vote electronically now. So there is no excuse for Indiana University alumni to not vote. And I, I want to say, Jared, to your point about you know, getting involved and, and you know, voter, voter turnout, the turnout for trustee elections historically is laughable. I mean, we are talking about an alumni base that is 750,000 plus, and we are talking about a turnout that is less than 5% of that. Mm. that. That is the actual number. It's really embarrassing, truthfully. And by the way, I'm part of that. Because I have never voted in a trustee election. And part of that is because I've never known what is even going on with trustee elections. The mm-hmm. communication and the transparency is awful. And that really has become a big point that I've been running on. That as alumni, we need to know more about what the trustees are doing for this institution that we so love. So June 1st to June 30th, you are eligible if you have a degree and there will be a link that, that you can access. You can go to my website, epfortrustee.com. I'll be tweeting it out. Um, it'll be on the Indiana University website. And you'll be able to go to that link and vote that way. Okay. Cool. And I'll put that information in the show notes so that everybody has it. Right. And obviously, we encourage everybody to vote. So walk us through... And you talked right there about you know part of this that's important to you, which is transparency and all of that. But walk us through the genesis of this campaign. Like what, right, what well, led you to want to do it and, you know, and, and kind of where you are now and what some of the main beliefs are that you have that, that you're running on? Sure. Well, look, let's not kid ourselves. It did start as a joke. We were doing a podcast. We had uh, Jeff Rabjohns from Pigs.com on, and we were really upset about some of the things we had been hearing about how institutionally Indiana was not as supportive of the main athletic programs specifically basketball and secondarily football, that they had been in the past and that there were reasons why Indiana had fallen behind competitively in those at an institutional level. And we were trying to dig in on why, like who is responsible for that? Well, clearly the president is responsible for a lot of that because the president sets the agenda for the university and approves or doesn't big expenditures, big priorities. But above that, it is the trustees who hold the president accountable and hold the AD accountable and hold the university accountable. And so just on a whim, I'm like, well, who can run for trustee? And we found out the information. I'm like, well, hell, I'm a graduate of Indiana. I'll run for trustee. And we had some fun with it. 
but it gained a little steam organically. And I started looking into it and thought, well, why the hell not? I started looking at the board of trustees. And again, this isn't about ageism or, or anything, but like you look at the trustee board, the average age of the men on the trustee board is 68 years old. Like there is a certain demo that is on the board. And I realized I had no connection to anybody on the board. I had no understanding of what they even did. And then I started watching some meetings that they post online and started educating myself a little bit more about what they do and realized, wow, they, they really do have a lot of impact and got to know people like Pat Shoulders, who's retiring. Uh, he was on the board for a long time. And Pat is one of the more vocal and outspoken members of the board. And I think he's been an aggressive board member, whether you agree with what he's done or not, he's taken it seriously. and. I realized I love Indiana as much as I love my kids and maybe more sometimes, depending on the day. And I just realized that there How good's the basketball team doing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I realized that there were things that I thought that I could be a voice for, for a group of people like myself, especially like myself, alumni that like you were in different states. We're not in Indiana. We don't get the local Indiana paper in the same way. It's not you know, ever present like it is if you're in the state or surrounding Bloomington. And yet I care so much for this university. I've supported it over the years, both athletically and academically. I've been really involved with the media school and other things that I've done with Indiana over the years. And I just decided, well, the hell with it. I'm going both feet in and let's have some fun with it. Let's, let's not run a conventional campaign. Let's have fun with it. And let's try to reach the people who have never voted in this thing, which largely are the people that I would bet listen to the assembly call, listen to Hoosier Hysterics, go to Peegs, go to Inside the Hall, you know, all those places where we do have this huge base of people that care and would love institutional support for the things they care about. So that's really the genesis of it. Okay. So let me let me play devil's advocate with a couple of questions here, because I think people are going to see that you're running for trustee. They mostly know you as the host of Hoosier Hysterics. And, you know, a lot of the discussion that you guys have had about this, and you even mentioned it there, is, you know, some dissatisfaction with how the university, the trustees, the presidents, how seriously they were taking athletics and the resources they were allowing to be put in. What would you say to someone who says, okay, that's all great, and I want sports to be important, but this is not just a sports role. You can advocate for that stuff as a podcast host. Being a, a trustee, there's so much more that you have to know and understand. And I know this guy knows basketball. But I don't know what he knows or what his views are on the other stuff. How would you respond to that? I would say a couple things. Uh, number one, as much as I hate seeing Indiana not ranked in the top 25, both basketball, and I don't have to really worry about it for football recently, but as much as I hate that, you know what I hate just as much and maybe more? When I see U.S. News and World Report rank Indiana like the 100th or the 80th best public university. When I see other Big Ten competitors with a better reputation academically than Indiana University. I hate that. I would love my kids to go to Indiana when they're of age. I have a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old who's going to be 11 in a couple of weeks, and an 8-year-old. And I want them to go to a great university, and I want that to be Indiana. So I believe um, that my passion is for Indiana to be better in all aspects. Now, to the point about he knows basketball, he knows sports. I mean, th look, that's debatable uh, how much <laughs> I know there. I think I know. Often wrong, never in doubt. Um, but look, I I'm also a, a television producer. I oversee television shows that have massive budgets. 
I have been an executive with multi-billion dollar corporations where I've been in charge of massive budgets of projects, um, setting agendas, working with PR and communications departments, working on promotion and marketing. I, I do have this other life that is how I've made a living in large part because of the education I received at Indiana. And that got me on my way. And I look at, I look at just college education overall and think, well, th this, this is the thing that needs to change the most in 2021 and beyond to adapt to the current environment. And also, I want to make this a priority. We have got to get tuition costs under control. I mean, I do pretty well for myself, and I'm proud of that. I don't know how I'm going to afford sending three kids to four-year colleges, even if it's Indiana. The tuition costs have gotten out of control, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But I do think we need a strong voice on the board that no matter what happens, somebody is constantly beating the drum of, and how are we going to make sure this is affordable for people who want to come to Indiana? How are we going to make sure the college doesn't just become an elitist activity for people who have tons of money or rich people who just want their kids to go away for four years? Like Indiana better be an accessible option for all people. And that means controlling tuition costs. So let me back up one more thing. I don't know all the inner workings of Indiana University. It's absolutely true. I'm not as educated as, I, as I'm sure some of the other board um, people running for the trusteeship this year are. There are people that are running that have been intricately involved in Indiana University um, framework and people that have been involved in the dental school and the medical school and the chancellor's office. But the qualifications to be a trustee, in my opinion, are you have to be a graduate. That's a fact. And two, you better care deeply about Indiana, have a willingness to learn, be open-minded and ready to let the information guide you on what the best decision is and not have an agenda. And I'll tell you the fifth thing. I'm not looking to be appointed to a board of an Indiana corporation. I'm not looking to one day run for state representative in Indiana or state senator or mayor of a city. I am not looking at a board position on the trustee, the board of trustees to enrich myself. I am looking to do it because I think I can bring a passion. I think I can bring a critical eye. I think I can bring a transparency that has not existed before. So to those people who are skeptical of how serious I take it, I would say, Google me a little bit to read a little bit more about my career outside of my passion for Indiana. So you have some sense that I'm not just some dolt, you know, who, who thought this would be a fun ride. I think I can bring something unique and different to the board, and I want to learn as much as I can. And I don't think that someone who starts with more knowledge, as opposed to somebody who's willing to learn it, should give them an advantage in this. I really don't. We're going to be presented with information. I'm going to be able to ask questions, hard questions, and then make decisions based on the best available evidence and information. So you, you talked about lowering tuition costs, making it affordable which I think is that's something everybody's going to get excited about and you know believe in. Do you have any ideas yet for how Indiana can do that? For A, why tuition costs are what they are, and B, what you could do or what the trustees could do to actually affect change there? Well, there's a few things. There's some um, infrastructural things that are the reason why, and, and I'm not talking about building buildings, Although you could make the argument that the more you spend on infrastructure, actual infrastructure at Indiana, the more you have to raise tuition. But there, there's bigger reasons that are more global. 
the the student loan business is probably the biggest reason why tuition costs have increased. They are subsidized, you know. So so what ends up happening is the person who's taking the loan, the university never has to get the money from the student. They know they don't have to get the money from the student. They know they're getting it from a third party who's going to finance it and take on the loan, and they're going to manage the student debt for the rest of time. So that has affected all colleges across the country. And I've talked to several people about this. That needs to be um, addressed from a more global way. But Indiana could be a leader in that. Indiana, the president of Indiana, the board of trustees could be vocal about that. Indiana has major influence with the state legislators at the state of Indiana. And there are ways to influence that so that the student loan, student debt situation is brought under control a little bit more. So that's one thing. The other thing is I honestly think that there needs to be more pressure put on Indiana from the outside and from the public to not allow tuition costs to just keep creeping up. I think you need a loud voice saying, this is what they're trying to do. They're going to raise it another 2%, another 2%. And someone needs to be there to say, no, zero raise, zero raise. And you may not win zero raise in tuition. You may not win. But if you're able to amass public support behind that and use the bully pulpit to make people realize that you are pricing people out of the game of college. The number of people deciding just not to go to college is staggering these days. And it's because of the rising tuition costs. So I want to be that voice to help bring more and more attention to that in a very public way. Okay. Let me ask you another question that I think will address maybe some hesitancy that people have about your candidacy, which is, the public persona that you have as Eric, the host of Hoosier Hysterics, and how that will fit as a trustee. You know, so for example, tweets that you guys put out and comments that you'll make, which are, you know, funny and kind of intended to be entertaining. And, you know, there are also sometimes I've seen you get into conversations or spats with people where you're like, well, come on, don't take me seriously. I was, I was obviously kidding. And I think people might look at that and say, okay, but if you're a trustee now, when do I take you seriously and when do I not? Like this entire conversation obviously is, is a totally different context and you're speaking very seriously about these issues, but your public persona at times with Hoosier Hysterics is not one that people would associate with a trustee. How would you address that and how do you think that would change, if at all, once you are a trustee? It's a good question. I Look, there are many sides of all of us, Okay. I love Indiana. I am passionate about it. It is absolutely part of who I am down to my core. And the fun that I have with the Twitter account and the podcast is not me putting on a show. That is me embracing that part of myself and we have fun with it. I'm not going to stop doing that. Um, now, are there things that I have tweeted that if I was a trustee, I would have to think twice about probably. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. If, if you had some that you wanted to ask me, I'm sure I could respond. I'll have to think twice about some of them. But I mean, I honestly think some of this is like, we just take everything a little too seriously. And yes, being a trustee is a serious position. That doesn't mean you can't have fun with it. That doesn't mean that if I'm a trustee, I can't be proud and happy and silly and self-deprecating and fun and tout you know, part of what we do at Hoosier Hysterics is we are unabashedly and ridiculously positive about Indiana. Well, 
I'm going to be ridiculously and unabashedly positive about Indiana if I'm a trustee too. But when things go wrong or there's something to criticize, I'm going to criticize it. And I'm not going to walk away from that because I'm a trustee. Now, look, I don't know if there's rules about some of this stuff. From what I understand, there really aren't. Like some people have asked me, are you going to stop your podcast? Are you going to stop tweeting? No, I have no intention to. And if somebody comes to me and shows me a a rule or that I am uh, offending some statute that that really causes problems for the university or or the programs that that I support, then I would rethink it. But if it's just because it makes somebody uncomfortable, I don't really care. Like, I am fine with making someone uncomfortable. But I think as humans and smart people, we can understand that there's part of me that is serious when I do my day job. I'm not in the room tweeting out ridiculous things during my meetings where I have to produce a television show. I take that very seriously, and I devote the time and energy to do that. But those people also understand that there's a time where I can joke around and have fun. And if there are people who can't delineate between those two things or reconcile those things, those two things residing in the same person, don't vote for me. Let me okay. So let me put it into a into a specific situation, which may allow you to address it a little bit a little bit easier. Sure. So, like as an example, because if you're a trustee, obviously with your podcast, with you know what you do on Peaks, talking about the team. A recent example I think everybody will know is what happened with Coach Yasir Rosemont, right? You guys had him on the podcast. You addressed it, but you were not in favor of his candidacy. We're very outspoken about that on the Peaks board, you know, to the point of even saying things about him personally that you constituted as jokes, but some people took seriously, and there was kind of some back and forth. Sure. Again, you addressed all that with Coach Yaw. It's not some lingering thing, but I think most people listen to that podcast and know. Would you have handled that differently from a trustee perspective? as this is a potential you know, employee of Indiana University? Yeah, that's a fair question. I think that, look, the, uh, my understanding is the Board of Trustees is not approving or not approving assistant coach hires when it comes to uh, any of the sports. They are approving contracts above a certain level, I believe. And I don't know what that number is, but there is a number and a scope of contract that they do approve, like Tom Allen's contract, like Mike Woodson's contract, probably Thad Mata's contract, Scott Dolson's contract. I don't believe the assistant coach job reached that level. That said, um, if I was a trustee, I would absolutely have voiced my concern about that hire. Yeah. I absolutely would have. I would have done it probably publicly, and I would have done it privately to the people that I would have the ear of a little bit more as a trustee also. I'm not hiding from that position. Now, it doesn't mean I'm right. Like, I have opinions. I've been wrong before. I thought Archie was going to work at Indiana. Okay? I really did. I thought Bruiser Flint was a great hire at Indiana. It didn't work out at Indiana. I thought the Coach Ya hire was the wrong move at that point in time for that program. And... I know a lot of people wanted me to like apologize to Coach Ya for it. And I told him, I'm not going to apologize because I felt that way. I'm happy to give you the floor to tell me why you think I'm wrong. But I said what I said. I believed in it. But I didn't get to make the hire. And then they made the hire. And once they made the hire, I stopped. Because once Indiana makes a decision, and I would say this as a trustee, as a trustee, I will publicly and strongly uh, voice my opinion. It will be known. 
But then a decision gets made. It's a democratic process. The board has nine people. There's a vote. If it passes, then it's my job as a trustee to support that decision and make it work. And if that's the case, and that would be the same case with a hire. I may be against it, but if they make it, then it's my job to try to make it work as much as we can. Now, there are sometimes as a trustee where you may see the person that you hired not doing what you think they should do, and it's your job to push them in that direction or hold them accountable. The question that I think you're getting at, like, how public can I be about that stuff? I think it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, truthfully. But would I have handled the Coach Yaw thing a little different if I was trustee? I'm not sure I can say I would have. I think I still would have voiced my opinion. I'm a fan. And as far as I know, there is nothing that prevents the board of trustee member from publicly saying what they think should or should not be the direction that Indiana University goes in. In some ways, I almost think it's more incumbent on me as a trustee member to be clear how I feel the university should be acting. So on on that point, because you've talked about transparency, you know, and how you want to bring more transparency to these meetings. Two-part question. Number one, what is available right now for people, like you said, you went and watched meetings. What is available right now for people who want to stay up to date on the trustees? And what are some things that you would do to add transparency? There are trustee meetings that happen six times a year uh, where the trustees get together. Now, Zoom and COVID has changed that because there used to be times where as part of your responsibility, you had to go to those meetings in person. Zoom has changed that. Those are posted on, those meetings are streamed live and then posted and archived on the site. They are long, they are largely boring as hell, and they are largely procedural. Are there more people there for a basketball game post-game show or a board of trustees meeting? (laughs) (laughs) So those are the public-facing meetings. But the truth is, at that point, most of the stuff has been decided, and they're going through the procedural votes. It's parliamentary. There's, you have to make a motion and second it. And my problem with it is that's not where the stuff is getting done. The stuff is getting done in between, and there is virtually no transparency on that. So I, what I can bring to it is, let me tell you about the conversations that happen in between those six or nine trustee meetings. There's lots of secret trustee meetings that happen. Now, there are laws about this. When the trustees come together as a group to discuss official Indiana University business, there has to be a notice ahead of time. But there's all kinds of ways that they get around that. And the trustees has conversations with the president and with the chancellor and with the provost and with the the AD and with the department heads. Those conversations happen all the time and we know nothing about it. I want to bring a level of transparency to that. I will, um, I'll probably set up a separate um, Twitter account that would be Eric the trustee, you know, and, and just be talking about trustee stuff or exciting stuff that's happening or decisions that are being made. I think it's important that there is more connection between the trustees and the alumni who voted them in, by the way, and also the student body. I don't think the trustees are very connected to the student body. And one of the big complaints about President McRobbie is that he was basically inaccessible to the students. And that that got that was written about in the IDS. There were many student groups that were really upset about that. Not exactly following in the footsteps of Herman Wells. No, exactly. And and I do believe that our new president, you know, uh, Pamela Witten, will be different than that. 
But somebody on that trustee board and the trustee board better make sure that that's the case because the president needs to be connected to the student body and the alumni base in a bigger way. So I hope that answers some of them. Do you, what level of worry do you have? I mean, you have these ideas and you kind of want to shake things up when you get in there. And I think all of us listening to this are nodding like, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds good. What level of worry do you have that you'll get in there and realize that that's harder than you think it's going to be? Or that you'll get a lot of pushback from the trustees who are there that are like, what the hell is this guy doing? I have no worry. I know that it'll be harder. <laughs> it's not worry. <laughs> I, it's guaranteed that it's harder than I'm saying. There's nine people on the board. One of them is a student appointed. So it's eight people that are alumni that have been appointed or elected. I have been pretty good in my career at building relationships with people. And what you have to do on the board is build relationships. And I believe there are people on the board and hope, you know, there's going to be two new, there's two spots open for this election because COVID delayed the election last year, you're voting for two spots. So when you vote this year, you can either vote just for one person. If if you just know one that you want to be on, you could just vote for one or you can vote for two. And Donna Spears, who's been on the board for a term, her spot is up. So she's an incumbent. But Donna, I think, injects some new new has injected some new life into the board. So I think if I I have it correct, right, the person who gets the most votes will have a two year term. The person who gets a second amount of votes will have a one year term. Is that right? No, 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 no. The opposite. It's the person who gets the most votes will get the three year term. The person who gets the second. Oh, sorry, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah. And the person who gets the second most votes will get the two year the two year term. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. Um, that's exactly right. So, cause then it'll maintain the staggered yeah. position. Um, so it's about building relationships with people on the board, but I honestly think this, Jared, if I can be transparent, if I can connect with the alumni base in a bigger way than the, than the board of trustees has done so currently, that support will give us a louder voice on the board that they simply cannot ignore. Does that mean I'm going to get whatever I want? Of course not. Does that going to mean I get anything I want? No. But does that mean that I can move them from here to here? Does that mean that I can present something to them in a different way? Can I put something on the table that has real public support from the alumni base behind it and force them to take it on and look at it? I think so. But look, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a bit of a fight. If you know me at all, if you've listened to my podcast, I'm not afraid of that. So um, I kind of welcome it. Look, I love Indiana, man. I love it. There's not a day go by that I don't wear an Indiana shirt or some article of clothing. There's not a day that goes by where I don't tout how great Indiana was to me and how great it can be to other people. Trying to convince friends to send their kids there talking to the media school students, hiring students that have graduated from Indiana. And and I do want to say this, if there is another focus for me, it is having a liberal arts and general education in Indiana is wonderful. I, I loved what I learned in Indiana. But the biggest thing Indiana University needs to do as a whole is prepare kids for jobs, mm-hmm. period. Because the job market since you were in Indiana and since I was in Indiana a few years before you has changed dramatically. The ground underneath our feet has shifted. It is an automated economy. It is a computer and digital environment. It is a global marketplace. And it's not enough to just have a BA from Indiana and hope you get a job. We need to be making sure that curriculum at Indiana in these various disciplines is focused on 
preparing you to get hired and to have skills that you can hit the ground running. And the other thing that we talked about recently on, on my podcast is we better be teaching people how to manage their money at Indiana. If finite math is a requirement, so should financial knowledge, you know, and, and managing your portfolio and how to balance a checkbook and what a 401k is and how to save money and budget. That better be part of the Indiana curriculum across the board because I've got a 13-year-old. He doesn't know how to balance a checkbook yet. Like, Does he, he even know, know what, what a checkbook is? No. He doesn't. He doesn't. But you know what he needs to know? He better know what a 401k plan is. He no. better know what an IRA plan is. He better know what a Roth IRA is. He better know what tax deferred money means. He better know those things because it the, the market is getting harder and he better come out of college. If I'm going to spend 30 to 40 to 50 grand a year, he better come out of that with the ability to get hired in a job where he can support himself and ultimately his family. And I love the arts. That's what I come out of, media and the arts. And I believe that should never be cut in any way from Indiana University. And I love science and I love math. I'm all for all that stuff. But we better be focused on making sure that graduates of Indiana are prepared to get hired. That's the advantage we can give them. And so I want to be focused on that from a curriculum standpoint. And that they have at least one or two really good basketball memories. You got to graduate with that. Look, I mean, look, we joke about it. We almost haven't talked about it at all. But this is what kicked off the campaign. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll put Pat's shoulders on blast a little bit here. We had Pat come on our podcast, and we broke down what does a trustee do. And Pat was great. And I, I really do respect Pat and what he's done. And, and no one can question his contributions to Indiana. But we were talking about the facilities in the Big Ten, compared to the Big Ten that Indiana basketball has. And Pat was like, there's no doubt that when it comes to basketball, we're in the top five, top six. And I just stopped him. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're Indiana basketball. If we're not in the top two, something needs to change. Period. It's about how we view it. And the fact that he, as a trustee, was viewing it as like, if we're in the upper third of the Big Ten, that's okay. That's not okay to me. What are we, Iowa? Right, exactly. I mean, look, I don't even want to be Wisconsin. Like, I don't want to be Michigan State. Like, we should be competing with Michigan State from a facility standpoint or an Ohio State. From a basketball perspective, I get that we don't have the money yet from football. But if there's one thing that the last few months has shown us, Jared, <laughs> when they want money for things at Indiana Athletics, they can get money. <laughs> they were fine buying out a $10 million Archie Miller contract that will never be $10 million, but... They were fine taking the risk on it. They were fine in a pandemic year giving Tom Allen a million-dollar raise that will end up being more. They were fine bringing in a Dylan McCullough and a Charlton Warren and paying them more money than they've ever paid coordinators. We were fine keeping Kenya Hunter by giving him a raise. There, there is money when we need it. There, they, they added the position of Thad Mata you know, to the, to the headcount. There is money. And that money better be spent on the infrastructure of our athletic programs to ensure that we are not in the top third when it comes to basketball. We are number one. And when we slip to number two, we better figure out a way to get back to number one. Real quick story. I remember when I was a student in Indiana, there was an ongoing battle between Indiana and Purdue for who had the largest student union. Do you remember this being a thing? Mm -hmm. And they always went back and forth. And when Indiana added something, Purdue added something. 
And that I don't know if that battle continues, but I love that. That's the mentality we should have with basketball facilities. The second we slip to number two, how do we get back to number one? And keep the fire hose on. And for football, what we have seen, what Tom Allen has been able to do is we don't have to be okay with being mediocre in the Big Ten. We can be excellent in football. He is on the path to excellence in football. The only way to ensure that is more money for facilities, more money for coaches, more money for training, strength and conditioning. And the second we slip, like we shouldn't even slip. We should be looking years ahead and pushing that so that we're not playing catch up. And that that is part of what trustees do. There are trustees that are more focused athletically or academically or medical or math or theater. And, and, and one of my... One of my passions is athletics, so you better believe that I'm going to be pushing that every single day. And you're preaching to the choir on this podcast, obviously. You don't need any convincing to most of the folks listening here why that would help. But connect the dots. Let's say someone is listening to this because they're curious about you. They're not really into sports, but they're like, okay, whatever. I don't care where we place in basketball. I don't care where we place in football. How does this help the other stuff that we want to do for the university? How do you connect those dots? There is... Get. Let's start with what the most important thing is for a university. The most important thing for a university is getting people to come to your university. Enrollment. Getting the right people to come to your university. People that are ambitious and smart and, and want to use their degree to contribute to the world. You are in a fierce battle for enrollment with hundreds, thousands of other institutions that are clamoring for those people. How you communicate to the world is extremely important. And how you communicate to the the base of people who are graduating seniors who are going to college is extremely important. There is no better calling card for any university outside of the Ivy Leagues because they're playing in a different world than your athletic programs. Michigan is a great academic institution. When Michigan football is good, it helps them. It keeps them at that elite status. When Indiana basketball is good, or Indiana football could be good, it is marketing to everyone across the country. You're not marketing just to in-state people or regional people. You're spreading your reach. All of a sudden, you become that cool thing to kids who wouldn't have considered you before. So it just starts with that. But there's even more. Look, there was a lot of talk about when Michael McRobbie, President McRobbie, took money from the Big Ten Network to the Big Ten Network money that came to Athletic to help build an international studies building. Now, that was controversial for a lot of sports fans. What I would say to everybody is, when we make more money in athletics, it is a rising tide that lifts all ships. Now, I don't have enough information on that specific deal, you know, at that point. And what I would say is my, my problem with it was there were upgrades that were needed in the athletic facilities first. If you're doing well there, I have no problem with athletic money being used to help the university. If you're behind, you better take care of that first from athletic money. But I would, I would tell everyone, Google an article that was written about Alabama. The Alabama institution has become so much greater as a whole because of Alabama football's resurgence. Alabama football was down on its luck. Enrollment was down. Uh, professors that wanted to come to Alabama were down. Everything was down. And then Nick Saban comes, and the president of the university realized how important it was to make them as lead as they could be, and they did, and it helped the entire university. 
enrollment goes up, which means tuition goes up, which means you're more attractive to more competitive people. Professors want to come teach at schools that are popular and, and have some buzz around them. Everything gets better. Everything gets better. It is a rising tide that literally lifts all ships. That's how you connect the dots from athletics to academics. All right. So your first trustee meeting, you walk in, Quinn Buckner walks over to you and says, what the hell is that on your chin? Are you shaving the beard for Quinn Buckner? <laughs> I'm not shaving the beard for Quinn Buckner. <laughs> but if I win the trustee election, the beard's coming off. It is. Okay. Yes. That's, that's, that's So if decided. you needed any other incentive and you're just tired of looking at this monstrosity, vote for me and it comes off the day they announce the election results. If I lose, I'm growing it for another year. Now, is it just the ZZ top part that's coming off or is it the whole beard that's coming off? Well, even before I grew this, I had a very trim beard. I haven't been clean shaven, like truly clean shaven since I was, I don't know, like 20, 24, something like that. So, but it, it's going to go, it's going to go way away. It's going to go down to like the one on the Clippers. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So last question for you, just to kind of sum everything up, you know, if people only listen to one or two minutes of this. And, you know, what's your elevator pitch? What is your, what is your quick pitch to someone for why, why they should vote for you over the other candidates who are out there? You love Indiana University as much as I love Indiana University. It has become a part of your life in a way that you cannot separate yourself from. The board of trustees are the nine people that are the gatekeepers and the caregivers and the guardians of that thing you love the most. I commit to you that I will be that passionate, that dedicated, and that committed to Indiana as I know you are to how much you love Indiana. And I am going to be your voice because you haven't had that voice on the board really ever. You're going to have somebody there that you may not agree with all the time. Like, I don't want to pretend like I have strong opinions. We may disagree. My heart is always in the same place that yours is. What is best for Indiana University? And you can access me. I'm going to be very accessible. I will respond to emails. I will respond to texts. I will respond to tweets. I want to be your voice so that the passion and dedication that we feel for Indiana is voiced in that room that is so important to the thing that we love. All right. Well said. Well said. All right, Eric. I'm glad we had a chance to do this. So me too. I appreciate can... you you letting me do this. I know, you know, we tend to just talk about missed three-pointers and four-out, one-in offense, but uh, I, I really No do more, man. It's the era of made three-pointers. We're changing things. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm surprised we didn't even talk about Michael Durr or anything on this podcast. So. What are your thoughts on Michael Durr? Um, I think that the staff wanted um, front-court support. I think they saw we've got Trace and Race and then nobody behind them. And you play in the Big Ten, there's a lot of fouls and there's a lot of bumps and bruises. And it'd be nice to have another guy who can go 15 minutes a game and bang with the big guys and rebound the hell out of the ball. Yeah. So I don't think they're looking at him as like a 30-minute guy. I think that there was worry about Joey Brunk's back, truthfully. I think that that is the big concern there, was I don't think the staff felt comfortable betting on his back coming back fully. And so they, they lost Joey and they went out and got a guy who's fully healthy and has performed at a high level, and it's a short-term commitment, maybe two years at most, and he's a guy that they can count on to go bang and play a role, which is great. Yeah, and you don't know how ready Logan Duncan's going to be, and it, it gives you some added depth next year when Trace is gone. 
Totally. Yeah, I wasn't even counting Logan because I don't think he'll be ready yeah. freshman year. I mean, we know it takes big men a little longer, you know, unless you have yeah. some crazy skill, and that's not his game. I think Logan's going to be great four years. But give him one or two years banging with Michael Durr in practice, too. That'll be good for him. Durr reminds me of the kind of dude that Michigan State always has coming off their bench. Just big rebound. He can actually step out and shoot a little bit, you know, so we'll see no, if he can do that. He, but, he is so big. When was the last yeah. time we had a legit seven-footer? Like, that played. That played a lot. I'm not was Cody, like was, Cody a, was Cody a seven-footer? No. Is he like six-tens? Yeah. I think it was like, was Bawa Maniru seven-feet? But he didn't play. Yeah. And George Leach, Durkin. I think, was six-eleven. I don't think George Leach yeah. was seven feet. I mean, it's L- been a while. Todd Lindemann, maybe. Maybe Todd Lindemann. By the end of his career. I mean, he didn't do much early on, but by the end, he was productive. Oh, yeah. I thought you were saying he grew by the end of his career. No. Seven. <laughs> no. He no. started 6'2". And then yeah. as a senior. <laughs> no, no. Grew yeah, as a player. I, I think, look, the fun thing about this team is when you look at it on paper, it has everything you want. Mm-hmm. Right? It's got plenty of three-point shooting. It's got guys who have good size that can play inside and outside. It's got a mobile big man in Trace that is your superstar who can score 20 and get 10. It's got a combo point guard who can get to the rim whenever he wants. It's got backups for him. It's got guys who can really lock down. It's got the young potential superstar in Tamar Bates. I mean, it has everything, everything. on paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I'm, it's exciting. I'm bought in. We're going to finish in the top four in the Big Ten. I'm with you, man. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with there. you. All right, Eric. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Who's your Eric's new episodes come out Tuesday morning. Let's remind everybody again. You vote June first to June thirtieth. And what is the yeah. website where people go? I'll put a link. I will. I will have the link on my website, epfortrustee.com. Mm. But I will also be tweeting it out. Um, okay. It's not live yet, so I don't know oh, how okay. the link. The, the link won't be live until June first. But if you do go to like the IU trustee. Um, if you just Google IU trustee election, there is a link you can click on now to just make sure you're eligible. And they make you enter in like class four of your social and stuff just to make sure they have everybody's info. And if you aren't eligible, you can send them an email and they fix your your paperwork, basically. So you can get it. Cool. All right, everybody go vote. Eric, thanks for doing this. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Yep. Most pancake syrups contain artificial flavors, artificial colors, and high fructose corn syrup. But there's an all-natural option free of additives in the same aisle. Real maple syrup from Canada is made from one ingredient. So turn the bottle and check the label. Is your syrup real maple? 100% pure maple, straight from Mother Nature herself. One ingredient, one source, one flavor. PureMapleFromCanada.com Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com.